Hi, this is Pastor Josh, and welcome to the Harbor Church Podcast. Harbor is a place where people can connect with Jesus and with each other. And if you're looking to get connected, you can find more information at harborchurch.com. Now here's this week's message from a guest speaker. Hey, we're glad you're here tonight. We're excited about it. Uh, We're in a series now that's called The Good Work, and whether you realize it or not, from the moment you came onto our property, the church has been operating in action. You've been greeted, you've been welcomed, you've been loved on. We've had time of celebration and worship. In fact, my personal opinion, you are louder than the other group and got into your worship more than what they did. That's just my opinion. I don't know. Maybe because I did also. I'm not sure. But that's all part of the church. But listen, we get the opportunity tonight to hear some guys that normally don't get to speak here uh, to our church. We call it a carousel. What we do is we have five different men who are actively serving God here at Harbor. And Pastor graciously allows them to come and to share the gospel and what God has laid on their hearts. And so you and I, we get to participate in that tonight. And so there'll be a different man each one of the services that we have this weekend, and we're excited about that. We really are. We want you to join together with us. Now, what I did, I can tell you all kinds of things about Jimmy Blue. He's our next speaker. And yeah. But, you know, we, we can be fooled. Right? No, wait, you're, you're admitting you're fooling us. So. <laughs> okay. So what I did is I just contacted these guys' wives, and I said, tell me a few things about your husband, because if anybody knows the true character and integrity of the man, it's the woman that he's married to. Now, let me share with you. I, I, first question, what drew you to him? Here's what his wife said. Not many men do this as a senior in college, but Jimmy did. He called his mother every day, and he still does at 42. He, I read that, and I thought, every mom here is going to just have their hearts melt on that one. She said he didn't do this because he had to, but because he loved her so much. Well, also the fact that when we first met, He moved my purse to a place where I was intentionally positioned next to him at a table, so really, I had no way out from the very beginning. (laughs) That's a smart guy. What is the greatest character trait that you would describe about your husband? A humble spirit that is almost palpable. He operates off of raw authenticity. I thought that was really interesting. How long have you been married? Three years really happy, 10 years. (laughs) I'm sorry, no. She wrote 13 years, but Jimmy will probably tell you that I got this number wrong. 13 or is it 12? 13, okay, you got it right, babe. I'm sorry, I called you babe. (laughs) Your wife, okay. That's what I call my wife, I got Get this over with, quick. (laughs) First law of holes, when you fall in, shut up and quit digging. In one sentence, describe your husband to us. He's an honorable man of God who has a sincere and genuine heart to serve. He is also a fun-loving father, a beautiful husband, and a hilarious and loyal friend. 
And one of the ways that he serves here at Harbor is he teaches a Bible study group at the Pavilion Retirement Center in the name of Harbor. And so we're so thrilled to have you, Jimmy. Come on up. Let's give him a good Harbor welcome. What's up, Harbor? Uh, as Pastor Ron said, my name is <coughs> Jimmy. <coughs> Sorry. Uh, a lot of you probably don't know, don't know me, so just a little bit about myself. Uh, uh, I live in Sandwich. I work in Yarmouth. Uh, like he's, I've been married to my beautiful wife, Erin, for about 13 years, or exactly 13 years. Uh, I've got, we've got three beautiful kids, Annalie, Claire, and James. Uh, I grew up on the South Shore as one of eight kids, but Aaron and I uh, started our family actually down south. We lived down south for about 10 years in a bunch of different states uh, kind of as a military family. Uh, made the move up here about six years ago, started going to Harbor five and a half years ago. I think it was the fall of 2018. Uh, and it's kind of a funny story how we came to Harbor. I think we all have our story of how we ended up here. And we literally <clears throat> kind of accidentally stumbled across it. Uh, knowing that we had a lot going on in our lives, moving our family across country. Um, you know, we had just, we were less than a year into an international adoption. Uh, I left a good job to start a very unknown job. Uh, and as soon as we got up here, we had an opportunity to take guardianship of my 17-year-old uh, twin nieces for their senior year of high school. So we knew that we had to get plugged into a church. So we started looking around, found a bunch of churches, <clears throat> thought we had found the one after a couple of months. Uh, and then a friend is like, no, you got to check out Harbor. You got to check out Harbor. So reluctantly, we decided, go ahead and give it a shot. So we went. It was uh, in the basement of Zion. I think it was September, October 2018. And immediately we fell in love with the people. And that's a true testament to the, the church. And I know it's the same way here. And I know that's, you know, it's, it's not the only thing about the church, but I think it's when you walk in the doors, you just feel that love. Um, so we were super, super excited. Uh, Aaron ran into that friend the next week and told her how much we loved it. She was extremely confused because she didn't see us. Apparently at the time or still now, there's... Uh, two churches on Cape Cod that have the word harbor in the name. Uh, I'm sure the other one is absolutely amazing, but we never found out. <laughs> uh, so we never, never ended up trying it out. Once we came here, we actually never went to another church, and we were very happy to be there. So I wish the story was kind of all rainbows like that, but the truth of the matter is, the first probably three or four years that we attended here, I was consuming. I was just kind of sitting taking in the message on a Sunday, trying to maybe piece a little bit into my life throughout the week, making it to the next Sunday. Um, but I was not serving sacrificially. I was not growing. I ultimately was not saying yes to, uh, to God's calling in my life. And that's the reason why I'm so excited and honored that Pastor Josh and Pastor Ron uh, are giving me this opportunity to share a, a really incredible story uh, from the Old Testament with you. And it's a, a story of great faith. Uh, a lot of you... I've probably heard of Noah, and I'm sure many of you are, don't know the story of Noah. You may have maybe you know, seen in, there's a couple movies that reference it, things like that. So most of you might have an idea. Um, but Noah lived about 4,000 years ago. Uh, he lived at a time where the world was completely filled with sin, violence. The, Lord, uh, the Bible says, actually, he was the only one walking with the Lord at that time. Uh, so we're going to take a look now at Genesis 6. If you have your Bible with you, we're going to be in Genesis 6, uh, verses 13 through 22. 
All right, starting in verse 13. So God said to Noah, I have decided to destroy all living creatures, for they have filled the earth with violence. Yes, I will wipe them all out along with the earth. Build a large boat from cypress wood and waterproof it with tar inside and out. Then construct decks and stalls throughout its interior. Make the boat 450 feet long, 75 feet wide, and 45 feet high. Leave an 18-inch opening below the roof all the way around the boat. Put the door on the side and build three decks inside the boat, lower, middle, and upper. Look, I am about to cover the earth with a flood that will destroy every living thing that breathes. Everything on earth will die, but I will confirm my covenant with you. So enter the boat, you and your wife and your sons and their wives, bring a pair of every kind of animal, a male and a female, into the boat with you to keep them alive during the flood. Pairs of every kind of bird and every kind of animal and every kind of small animal that scurries along the ground will, you, will come to you to be kept alive. And be sure to take on board enough food for your family and for all the animals. So Noah did everything exactly as God had commanded him. So that's a pretty big deal. Um, I, I mean, imagine God telling you, like, number one, he's going to destroy the entire world. Uh, and it's up to you to build this enormous boat that no one had ever seen anything of the likes, uh, didn't have the tools for. Um, and also the fate of humanity relies on you doing this. Uh, so um, you're also not a boat builder and you're over 500 years old. Um, and so, and by all accounts, he hadn't even had his three sons at this point, very possibly. Uh, so he was kind of all by himself, uh, which is kind of crazy. I can't help but read that and just kind of think like, what in the world would I do in that situation? Like, how could I do something so great for God? Um, and we kind of see the answer for Noah anyways in Hebrews 11. If you want to uh, flip there, if you have your Bibles with you. So Hebrews 11:7. it was by faith that Noah built a large boat to save his family from the flood. He obeyed God who warned him about things that had never happened before. By his faith, Noah condemned the rest of the world, and he received the righteousness that comes by faith. <clears throat> faith. That's what Noah had. He had an incredible faith. Yeah. Yeah. The kind of faith that we can still have today in 2024. Yeah. Come on. So, Come on. But what does that look like in my life on Cape Cod in 2024? Well, we're going to dig in tonight and take a look. The foundation of Noah's faith is obedience. Obedience, I believe, is the first step in, in being faithful. It's also one of the most difficult things for most of us. I know for me anyways. Uh, we cannot have faith without obedience. How can I claim to have faith in a God that I can't even follow or listen to and obey? So I want to take a look at uh, James chapter 2, 26, because he sheds a little bit of light on this. Just as the body is dead without breath, so also faith is dead without good works. As Christians, sometimes we hang on to the fact that, oh no, I'm, I'm saved through faith. That's all I need, you know. And, and there, there is truth that obviously we are saved by faith in Jesus Christ. But it is impossible to have that faith without it showing through in fruit. And that fruit, I believe that fruit comes from when we actually are obedient to God. Amen. Yeah. Uh, I can't sit back and just consume for the rest of my life and think God's going to somehow magically use me to do something great for him if I'm not obedient to him in those small things. Come on. <clears throat> so, um, I wanted to read uh, 
this other verse here, James 1, 22. But don't just listen to God's word. You must do what it says. Otherwise, you are only fooling yourselves. We need to spend time in communion with God. We need to be listening, but then we need to act. I spend too much of my own life making excuses. I'm too busy with work. I have this, if I do this for God, it's going to have a negative impact on my family. That's something I've struggled with a lot, um, and I'm sure a lot of you guys do. I mean, we hear Pastor Josh up here telling us to serve, and, and, and there's so many things, and they're, they're real excuses, but we need to work our way through those things. Um, I mean, I'm not talented enough. That's not my skill set. Like, I can't get up on stage, uh, things that we <laughs> deal with quite a bit, so... But, uh, you know, through the power of the Holy Spirit, we really can conquer those things. And if it's a true calling in your life, if God is truly calling you to do something, he's going to find a way. So, uh, Noah had that. He had an unquestioning faith. He didn't obey because it made sense after he went home and molded over and it looked good from his humanistic mind or looked good on paper. Uh, he, He honestly... Just God said it, and it, it says in verse, uh, back to Genesis, was it uh, 6, 22. Noah did everything exactly as God had commanded him. It sounds easy, but it's really not. Um, in preparation for this message, I spent a lot of time looking at different people in the Bible that either said yes to God or didn't say yes to God, and how that maybe changed the trajectory of their life or their relationship with God. And um, I came, I mean, there's, there's so many examples uh, in the Bible, and it was really neat to kind of dig through that, but there's one in particular that really stuck out to me. Uh, his name is Ananias, and we can read about him in Acts chapter 9, uh, if you want to turn there in your Bibles. So starting in verse 10 of chapter 9 of Acts, now there was a believer in Damascus named Ananias. The Lord spoke to him in a vision, calling Ananias. Yes, Lord, he replied. The Lord said, go over to Straight Street to the house of Judas. When you get there, ask for a man from Tarsus named Saul. He is praying to me right now. I've shown him a vision of a man named Ananias coming in and laying hands on him so he can see again. So it sounds pretty simple, right? Uh, but not so fast. Uh, Saul was a persecutor of Christians. Uh, he was very, very well known at the time. Uh, his literal goal in life was to arrest and put Christians to death for the most part. Uh, Saul was actually a very key player, played a, played a key role in the stoning of Stephen, who Ananias, I'm sure, would have known as a brother in Christ in the new church. Um, to where the people that were stoning him were actually laying their jackets at the feet of Saul. And the Bible tells us that Saul agreed completely with what was happening. Um, so Ananias was very, very aware of who he was. Uh, and let's, let's see his initial response. Because I think what I kind of relate to with this is he's just like, God tells him what he wants. And he's like, no, do you not understand God? And God does understand. But I see a lot of myself in this. So here's, uh, we're going to start in verse 13. But Lord, exclaimed Ananias, I've heard many people talk about the terrible things this man has done. <clears throat> to believers in Jerusalem. And he is authorized by the leading priest to arrest everyone who calls upon your name. I know many of us today, especially me, make excuses in our lives. I know for myself, I was scared to say yes and put myself outside of my comfort zone. I get so comfortable in a life that God has actually blessed me with that I don't want to follow that same God and see what he has for me in my life. And 
I found myself for, for many years wrapped up in that. I'm like, oh God, you blessed me with this and you blessed me with this. And like, if I do this, I could lose this. And, and that is true. You could. You might lose some of that comfort. You might lose who knows what. We, we don't know. And you might gain. We don't know. But if you're following God's calling, that's where we want to be. Yeah. Yeah. <clears throat> Fortunately, Ananias did end up agreeing, and it was greatly used by God. Because of a simple yes, God used him to perform a miracle in healing Saul's eyesight. Uh, he ended up getting to baptize Saul, which was pretty incredible. Um, and then Saul, whose name was eventually changed to Paul after he converted, uh, ended up opening, or sorry, starting so many churches. He ended up writing half of the books in the New Testament, we believe. And so many, I mean, the, the books that we're reading today, half of them were written by this man that Ananias had a chance to heal and baptize, which is pretty incredible to think about because it was very small what he really had to do. And he was a little bit scared to do it, but he, he said yes. And you look at the second, third order effects that have happened because of that. It's pretty incredible. <clears throat> One small faithful yes uh, had such an impact to even our world today. You might say, well, God isn't asking me to do anything big, but it starts with these small steps. We need to be faithful in the small things. Maybe it's saying yes to working in the nursery. Maybe it's to saying yes to working in the parking lot. Maybe it's joining a connect group because God's put that on your heart. So if, let's take a look at Zechariah 4.10, if you have your Bibles on you. Um, and I just want to see what, what the Bible has to say about small steps here. So starting in verse 10, do not despise these small beginnings for the Lord rejoices to see the work begin, to see the plumb line in Zerubbabel's hand. God literally rejoices when we are obedient in the small things. Uh, and we should take great comfort in that. Like if God gives, puts something small in your heart and you do it, he is literally rejoicing with us, which is, I think sometimes we, especially if you're not plugged into maybe a church body or maybe you're not in a connect group and you don't have people celebrating with you, like you can know that when you're doing something for God that he's celebrating with you. Yeah. <clears throat> Luke chapter six also uh, has an example of some of these small things. I want you to change, uh, or sorry, Luke chapter 16, verse 10. If you're faithful in, the, in little things, you will be faithful in larger ones. But you are dishonest in little things, you won't be honest with great responsibilities. If God is going to entrust us with the big thing, we need to be good stewards yes. with the little things. And I would argue that sometimes what we see as humans might be a little thing, God can use in a really great way. So don't ever discount that little thing. It may, that may be the big thing that he actually has in store for your life. Uh, the other thing, though, is Noah wasn't just some random guy bebopping around 4,000 years ago. Uh, and God was just like, you know what? I'm gonna, I have this great and incredible thing for you. The Bible tells us that Noah was walking, walking closely with God. And this was at a time where literally nobody was walking with God. He was the only one who found favor with God. And he was preparing himself through this. Whether he knew it or not, he was preparing himself for this great thing that God had for him in building this ark. Uh, and that's where we need to prepare ourselves as well. Like we need to be trying to walk closely with God, reading our Bibles, listening, being ready to act on the small things. Uh, so now we've established that being obedient is the foundation of Noah's faith, but it doesn't end there. Um, oftentimes we answer God's calling to be obedient but things don't go to exactly maybe as we pictured. You don't say yes, then all of a sudden it's just like 
perfection. Uh, Noah had something else that allowed him to follow God, and that was perseverance. Um, and we see that the framework of Noah's faith is perseverance. Uh, we're going to look at Hebrews eleven seven again. It was by faith that Noah built a large boat to save his family from the flood. He obeyed God, who warned him about things that, he had ne- or that had never happened before. By his faith, Noah condemned the rest of the world, and he received the righteousness that comes by faith. <clears throat> Noah was preparing for something that he had never seen. He was operating on faith alone, and we know that this was not easy. I want you to flip to John uh, chapter 20, verse 29. Go ahead. Uh, then Jesus told him, you believe because you have seen me. Blessed are those who believe without seeing me. In this verse, uh, Jesus is actually talking to Thomas, um, who actually physically had to see Jesus and actually touch him to really, truly believe that it really was him. Um, I think oftentimes we can be like that. Um, Noah did not physically see the need for this boat. Um, there's very likely it hadn't even rained at this point. We're not really sure, but a lot of theologians think that it, they hadn't even seen rain. They weren't near a big body of water. Um, people, people around him surely thought he was crazy. Um, the world, number one, had never been flooded. Um, and Noah could not see the need even himself, but he believed and persevered uh, regardless because of his faith in God. The Oxford Dictionary defines the word perseverance in this way. Persistence is doing something despite difficulty or delay in achieving. Um, I'd say that pretty well, uh, you know, and as we dig in, we'll see even more so, but that kind of defines Noah's uh, quest to building this ark. Uh, To say Noah experienced difficulty and delay would be a vast understatement. Um, Theologians believe it took somewhere between 55 to 75 years to complete the ark, possibly longer. It was about a 120-year period total from when he decided he was going to destroy the earth until the first, the first rain fell. Um, sometimes I get frustrated with God if I'm waiting on him for a few days, definitely months, years. Uh, I, it, I think uh, a lot of us in this, in this room could probably relate to that. But um, it, you, know, you say, God, you wanted me to say yes. I said yes, and now nothing is happening. Um, you know, so waiting on God is difficult, but we are called to do that. Um, I remember back to a time, uh, not too many years ago, about probably seven, eight years ago, uh, Aaron and I felt a calling in our life to adopt. Um, we had very little control of the situation. It was very difficult. There would be months and months go by with no change whatsoever. Um, I wish I could say that I had steadfast perseverance like Noah did, um, but there were certainly times that I did not... Uh, that I did not have that, that kind of faith. Um, I remember doubting whether this was even God's plan for our lives at some point. Um, if this is what God wanted, then why is it so difficult? Why are, all these, why are we hitting all these challenges? Um, I remember going to court in Seoul, uh, South Korea, and feeling so nervous because things in my past could impact this, this decision, and I had absolutely no control over it. Um, a side note, if you ever are going to adopt, uh, don't get arrested in college for streaking because it will come back to bite you. Um, it, will, it, will, it will create some more challenges. Your wife, your wife may want to murder you. But, uh, so, but fortunately, it all worked out, and uh, we've got a beautiful little boy. So. Uh, Noah not only faced challenges of time and control, but also unknowns and likely opposition. 
This boat was enormous. There was no skimping. God gave very, very specific plans on how he wanted this built. It wasn't just like build a ship and he had, you know, he, he had to build it to the specifications exactly that God wanted. Um, we get overwhelmed when we're asked to do anything outside of our comfort zone. Um, I know this very well. Um, so, but nothing like this had even been built before. I can't imagine Noah not being at least a little bit overwhelmed, but he had the faith to overcome that, which is what we need. I want to take a look at this, uh, this next picture. So this is just, uh, this is actually, I, I believe, from the Ark Encounter down in Kentucky where they actually built a, like a, a two-scale um, replica of what they believed the Ark would have or somewhat would have looked like uh, based off the dimensions that God gave to Noah. Um, where do you even start? <laughs> I guess with the small steps, uh, cutting down a tree in your life, uh, start reading your Bible more, praying more, join a connect group. So apply for the next mentorship cycle, maybe. Uh, create some accountability in your life. Whatever it is that you feel God calling you to do, don't repress it, just do it. So. There'll be people in your life that think you're crazy. Uh, some of these people are going to be loved ones. They may even be Christians that just don't, haven't maybe made that next step. Some of them are just going to be people that truly love you and I think they're looking out for you. Um, you know, why are you spending so much time at church? Why aren't you indulging in this or that with us anymore? And some of these things might not be bad things. It's just your time is being filled with more godly things or what he wants you to be doing. Why are you tithing to the church? You know, like, why are you giving them your money? They're, you know, you'll hear all these different things. Um, and there's no doubt in my mind that Noah faced these types of things and worse. Um, why are you and your sons building an enormous boat that can't be moved, has no steering that we can tell, um, <laughs> and we're nowhere near a body of water and it's never rained before. Um, but the Bible tells us that Noah continued to persevere. So now we've established the fact that the foundation of Noah's faith was obedience and the framework of his faith was perseverance. But what was the fruit of his great faith? The fruit of Noah's faith is rescue. <clears throat> We're going to go back to Hebrews eleven seven, And again, we see that by his faith, he condemned the rest of the world and received the righteousness that comes by faith. Noah's obedience and perseverance led to the rescue of his family. And he is the first person that I, that I know of anyways in the Bible that was described as righteous. This was not a fast process. It took about 120 years from the time God, like I said, from the time God decided that he was going to destroy the earth until the first raindrops fell was 120 years. Um, I want to take a, a minute to go to turn to 2 Peter chapter 3 and just kind of see what he says about waiting on God. Because that I know is something that I've struggled with in my own life and I'm sure many of you probably do as well. So in 2 Peter chapter 3, uh, in verse 9, the Lord isn't really being slow about his promise, as some people think. No, he is being patient for your sake. He does not want anyone to be destroyed, but wants everyone to repent. Sometimes that waiting that we are so impatient about is actually to our benefit or the benefit of our friends and neighbors and family. The Bible tells us that Noah was a preacher of righteousness. While he was building this enormous boat, we're led to believe that he was actually preaching to those around him. And more than likely, very fruitless preaching as 120 years later, after building this boat and preaching, it was just him and his immediate family that embarked on that boat and went through that door. <clears throat> I'm, I can't imagine uh, going 120 years of preaching to my friends 
my neighbors and not seeing that fruit and just continuing to persevere through that. Um, God's desire is for everyone to turn to him. God didn't love Noah any more than anyone else on the earth at that time. He loved every one of them. There was one very distinct difference, and that is Noah loved God back, and he was walking with him. And that's why he was able to be used by him. I want to turn to Matthew 24 right now. Um, I'm going to read verses 37 through 39. When the Son of Man returns, it will be like it was in Noah's day. In those days before the flood, the people were enjoying banquets and parties and weddings right up to the time Noah entered his boat. People didn't realize what was going to happen until the flood came and swept them all away. This is the way it will be when the Son of Man comes. That really doesn't sound too different than kind of the times that it feels like we're living in right now a lot of the time. We need to decide if we are going to get in that boat or continue living for ourselves. For some of you in this room, that first step might be asking Jesus to forgive your sins and enter into a relationship with him. For others, it may be that we need to stop consuming and step out in our faith and trust God and be obedient obedient to the call he has in our life. We need to prepare our hearts by being good stewards with the little things so God knows we can handle the responsibility of the big things. So people around you may not understand why you do what you do, and that's okay. Ultimately, we're not held accountable by the people around us, not by our friends or even our family. We're held accountable by the God who created this universe, and that is what really matters. We're invited to live in communion with such a great God, and that's a really incredible thing. Now, you may say, no, 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 not me, Jimmy. you have no idea what, what kind of things I've done. Um, you're right, I don't. Uh, there's a lot of people in this room. I know what kind of things I've done in my life, and if a few of you know some of the things, but if you all knew, you'd probably look at me a little bit differently. Um, and the best of us in this room needs the same Savior. <clears throat> that said, there is a sense of urgency. We're not promised any certain amount of time on this earth. Tomorrow is not promised to any of us. And we cannot think, oh, I'll just live my life for myself. And, you know, someday I'll start looking into things of God and see if there's anything really there. At that point, it's going to be too late, more than likely for you. You might be sitting there and just think, I'm just going to keep hanging out in the background, you know, consuming, uh, you know. Once things settle down, I know I'm a Christian, but once things settle down in my life, my kids get out of the house and maybe I retire, I'll have time to do this and serve and do those kinds of things. But not to say that you might not get to heaven, but God's call for our life is to have that, that faith that leads to obedience in him. If you really want to make an impact for God, you need to start now. You can't be looking to the future. I did that for too many years. I know I'm guilty of that so much. Um, Time to surrender to God is now. We need to ask ourselves what our ark to build within our own lives is. Maybe it's living for Christ and sharing your faith with your friends and family and coworkers. Maybe someone in this room is going to be called into full-time ministry. I don't know exactly what God has planned for your life, but I do know that we need to be walking closely with him so that we can fully realize that and be ready when he lets us know. 
if you're in this room and you're like, I'm not even sure what I believe, I'm here because my friend brought me or my wife made me come. Uh, you know, if you, if, I urge you to consider giving your life to Christ. That is truly the only answer. If you have questions and you don't know, please come see one of us. Come talk to us. Go to the, uh, the Connect desk and let them know. They'll connect you with someone that'll be happy to sit down, talk to you, have a cup of coffee, whether it's after the service tonight or someday this week. Um, if you're in this room and you know that the Holy Spirit is living in you, but you're making excuses to not go all in, then I urge you to make that commitment tonight. And be patient. It's not an easy road, but we know the outcome already because of God's promises to us. We need to start with obedience. Then we need to persevere through the trying times. But you know, you know what? We know what the outcome is, and that's being rescued and spending eternity with God. I'm going to invite you to, to just where you are to stand so we can uh, close in prayer tonight. Dear Lord, we just come to you tonight, just a heart of gratitude that we're able to come here and, and worship you, Lord, and learn about you, Lord. Lord, we're thankful that we have a, just a, a loving church. Lord, we're thank you, thankful so much that we live in a country where we can, we can operate like this, Lord, and openly tell our friends and neighbors, Lord. Lord, I pray if there's anyone sitting in this room right now and they just, they don't have that relationship with you, Lord, I pray that you will touch their hearts tonight, Lord, and continue tugging on them, Lord. Help them to just come to know you, Lord, and have that saving knowledge of you, Lord, because we know that is the first step. But Lord, if there's anybody else in this room that's been kind of sitting in the shadows like, like many of us are and have been for years, Lord, I just pray that you will tug on their heart, Lord. Use the Holy Spirit to pull on them, Lord, and show them what the next step is for their life. Lord, whatever that is, whether it's getting involved in a connect group, whether it is just even just making a couple of friends here and, and giving themselves some accountability in their life and starting to serve on a team here, Lord. We just pray that whatever that next step is for everyone in this room, Lord, that, that they'll find it, Lord, and that we, we, we truly believe that your power is great enough for all of us, Lord. And I just thank you again, and we pray this in your name. Amen. If you'd like to support the ministries of Harbor Church as we bring the hope of Jesus to our community and the world around us, you can visit harborchurch.com backslash give, or you can text any amount to 84321. Thanks for listening, and we'll see you next week.